0: Good morning, I'm so excited to be back. Um, All right, so you got those daunting binders as you came in this morning, Um, so I just want to walk through a little bit of what this study will look like on a weekly basis. So, as Tanya said, we started with those words on the wall, um, our we believes of Glenkirk. And then um, Betsy and I were talking, and there are also these four core beliefs that are going to come up over and over again here at Glenkirk, and those are worship become invite and love and so as we looked at these big we believes we started to group them under those four categories and so we'll be looking at how God can be trusted and how that draws us into worship and things like that and so as you look at your table of contents and as you look at the binder as a whole that's how it's laid out is it's grouped under those four things um And so as we talked about what we wanted this study to look like, as Tanya said, we wanted a really inductive study. We wanted you to really dig into your Bible, um, to spend time in the Word. And really, my hope is that you'll learn how to study it on your own as well throughout this year. And so um, with that in mind, we have each week is consistent of five days of study. So if you open up your binder on Tuesday night, um, it's going to be a little bit hard to get through everything and to fully um, appreciate what the study has to offer each day. Um, I think it's best done in five days, and so that's how we laid it out so that you'll be in the Word throughout the week. And so I'm just going to walk through what each day looks like. So day one is always going to be your devotional day. Um, This is very much like the Lectio Divina that we did um, a little bit last year, if you remember. Um, But on page 9 of your study, there's a little description of what the devotional day can look like. So this week, I would encourage you to look through that um, as you enter into that day. That's kind of some thoughts on what it can look like. Um, This is a day for prayerful meditation on God's Word. It incorporates solitude, meditation, contemplation, and prayer. Um, So I have laid out some questions to lead you into that time, but don't feel constrained by those questions. You can also just spend time meditating on God's Word and hearing how He speaks to you on that day. And so that is what day one is for. It's your devotional day. Now, day two is your observation and color code day. So um, this is where you're going to spend time just looking at the scripture and asking questions of the scripture and color coding the scripture, which is something I was pretty excited about. So um, you got these colored pencils as you came in with your little color code chart on it. Um, But that's also on page 11 in your study, um, and so you're just going to color code your scripture, which for me helps me see connections. Um, and then you'll do observations, which on page 10, I've listed some questions and um, ways that can you, you can start asking questions of the text and diving into it. Um, on day two, you're not going to pull out any extra resources, anything like that. You're just going to look at the text itself. And so we have printed the text in your study every week. So even if it's a big text, which I'm not going to scare you now, but sometimes it is, um, <laughs> we printed the whole thing in there for the very purpose that you can really mark up your study. And if you're like my husband and want to keep your Bible pristine, you can still do that. If you're like me, you want to mark it up and mark all over it, and that's fine too. But we've printed it in your study and so that you can do that right in there. And so that's day two every week. Uh, Day three and four is where it starts to get real fun. This is where you're going to learn a new method. And so we used uh, Rick Warren's book on the different methods of Bible study largely here. Um, And so each week we'll learn a new method to study the Bible um, so we've got character studies, thematic studies, chapter analysis, even book studies, um, where you're going to look at how to study the Bible with a per- particular thing in mind. So um, that's going to be day three and four. Now, when I, I'm going to say this over and over again throughout the year, but give it your best, okay? So it's okay if you can't finish every step of the method, I've given you every step of the method for the very purpose that you can take this, apply it to any other passage of scripture, and do this kind of study with it. So it's okay if you don't get through every part of it. The thing about an inductive study is you're going to get out whatever you put in. So if you have... A lot of time and you really want to dive into this and do every part of it, um, that's great. You're going to get a whole lot out of the scripture. Um, If you only have a little bit of time, that's okay. Just give it all that you can. Come on Wednesday and we're going to all share what we learned. And the beautiful thing about scripture is God speaks to us through it. So we're all going to see different things. And you come to it one day and you come to it another day and you see something different. Um, And so I would just encourage you not to be daunted by those two days that are more intense, um, but just give it your best. And so um, page five of your study is called How to Do Exegesis, and this will give you a little bit um, better understanding of what those days can look like. Um, Your first week, you won't have to get too into this because we wanted to give you some time to get familiar with it, so it would be a good time to read that page Um, And this will just give you an idea of the fact that we're hoping that we'll use primarily scripture to interpret scripture. And so that's where we're going to go to cross-references or passages that relate to our passage to help us better understand it and things like that. And so that's why your primary tool is probably going to be a good study Bible. Um, That would be really helpful as we dive into this, because we're going to really use scripture primarily to interpret scripture. Although there are other resources that are helpful, which is why on pages 6 through 8, you'll see a list of resources. Um, This is not an exhaustive list by far. I hope over the year we'll grow this list, Um, but it's just some ideas. Uh, It starts off with a few books that are helpful, um, but if you don't want to go out and buy books, um, there are some websites that are very helpful that can really do a lot of the things that books can do now. Um, And then if you're more, you like to work on your phone or tablet, there's also some apps listed in there that are helpful as well. And so this week, it would be good to maybe familiarize yourself with those resources and decide which ones you'd like to use as we progress through our study together. All right, so that brings us to day five, which is your application day. So day five is always just going to be your day to look back on the study and see how you'd like to apply it. Um, and so for day five, I would encourage you to start off looking back on your week and maybe highlighting things that stuck out to you throughout the week. And then prayerfully consider how God is leading you to apply whatever you have learned that week. Um, I would encourage you to make this application personal, um, practical, possible, and provable. So something that you can say, This is how I want to complete this. And then have somebody who's going to hold you accountable. And so that is day five. Um, It's just applying what you've learned. And um, so I hope that you've really enjoyed this study. I'm really excited for it. Uh, One of the best things is that if you miss a week, it's really easy to just pick it back up and start again because it doesn't really build on itself. Um, Each week is its own thing. It's going to be a different type of method, a different passage. And so it's really easy just to pick it right back up and start again. Um, But overall, I just hope that as we come each week that we can spend time just sharing what we saw and learning from each other. So I hope you enjoy it.
1: (laughs) How many of you like roller coasters? How many of you are now sick to your stomach? (laughs) When I was um, nine years old, I remember um, my dad got transferred from California back to New Jersey and so we as a family decided to take one last trip to Disneyland and at nine I was finally tall enough to go on um, the Matterhorn, okay, which at that time that was the big deal, okay, um, was the matter. I remember waiting in line for a solid hour Okay, even back then, waiting in line for a solid hour to go on the Matterhorn and getting up to the front of the line and taking one look at it and saying, no way. <laughs> and then we loaded up and we moved to New Jersey and there was no options again to go back on the Matterhorn until I finally did it when I was um, grad night in, in high school, um, went, went there. I was so mad at myself that I swore I would never again not go on a roller coaster. And so even to this day, I will get on a roller coaster, and I will get in there, and they'll lock me in, and I will go, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> and then I will remember. I remember nine years old. But even more, I remember that that roller coaster is attached to a track. Okay? And that the liability of something happening to that roller coaster is so much that they're making sure that it is attached to that track and that nothing is going to happen because it is attached to that track. And I get in and enjoy the ride. Um, But I have to think. I have to take my eyes off of my perceived fear and put it on to what I know is really true. Um, do you know, just for the heck of it, you know how fast Magic, um, how fast Space Mountain goes? Space Mountain goes, and Disneyland, it only goes 28 miles an hour. Okay, I drive my car faster than 28 miles an hour. Okay, even through the school zone. Don't tell anybody. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm safer on Space Mountain than I am in my car. Okay, um, but some of you won't go on Space Mountain okay? because everything around you is going. Uh oh, I, I out of control. Our theme is to be strong and courageous. This first verse, or this verse that we have, is taken from the first chapter of Joshua, where Joshua is told over and over and over and over again to be strong and courageous. He's told to take his eyes off of the Jordan River, which is at flood stage, which he has not yet cross, crossed, to take his eyes off of the fortified cities of Jericho and instead to put his eyes on God and to remember the truths that he knows about God, that God is the one who parted that Red Sea, that God is the one who brought all of those plagues on to Egypt, that God is the one who got Pharaoh to change his mind and literally kick the slaves out of Egypt without the slaves doing anything, that God is the one who has called them and has made promises to them and who every morning has given them food to eat and water as they've wandered for 40 years. Joshua is called to take his eyes off of his perceived fears off of the giants in the land of Cana and fix them on God and what God has called him to do. Okay, that he's to partner with God in bringing about God's promises. You see, this trip into the promised land was something that God had promised way back at the beginning of Genesis 12. He says, I am doing something here. I want you to take this land But Joshua has to do his part also. Um, actually, there's a um, passage. Joshua, when we first um, hear about Joshua, um, really is back in in Numbers and, and kind of Exodus in Numbers, where, where Joshua is Moses' um, right-hand man. Okay? But where J- Joshua first comes to the forefront okay, is when... This is not going to work. Excuse me for a minute. Joshua first comes to the forefront is when the Israelites have come to the Promised Land right after, you know, they, were at, they leave Egypt, they, they, they go to Mount Sinai, they, they get the Ten Commandments, and then God takes them to the Promised Land, and then he sends out 12 spies into the Promised Land to see what the land is like. And if you remember the story, the spies all come back, and this is in, in Numbers 13 and 14, the spies all come back, and they say, this land is better than you could even imagine. But... But there are giants in the land. There are fortified cities. There is no way we can take this land. We are but grasshoppers. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, no. God brought us this far. God can continue to bring us. But the whole rest of the nation sided with the 10 spies. And they said, no way. And so God got angry. He said, you have seen all of the great things that I have done. But rather than keeping your eyes on me, rather than trusting me, you are fixated on the giants in the land. And so he sends them back into the wilderness and he says, you will not enter in to the promise that I have for you. Tim Keller has a um, a sermon on that passage on on Numbers 13 and 14. And as he begins that sermon, he actually reads part of Revelation 21. Now, I absolutely love Revelation 21. I read it at all the funerals that I do just about. Okay, it's Revelation 21 is where God talks about this, you know, new heaven and earth that he's going to create and how we've been invited to be a part of it. And then we find these words. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, and sexual immorals, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all the liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, I get it. Liars, murderers, vile, but cowardly? Cowardly is there. Because cowardly denotes a lack of faith. It denotes a lack of trusting in God. It denotes a lack of fixing our eyes on who God is and what God has called us into. How many believe that exercise is healthy? How many do it? Here's the dynamic, okay? I mean, we can go out and buy exercise equipment, but if it sits and we never use it, it's not doing us any good, see? And and really what happens is a lot of times we go, oh, yeah, I get God, but it's kind of like exercise equipment. And what God is saying is no. It's not just mentally saying, yes, you get me. It is actually... Stepping out in obedient trust in me. And as you read down through Joshua 1, if you're to go home and do that, what you would hear is God saying to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Meditate on my word. Do what my word says. Be obedient to my word. Step into what I am calling you to do. By keeping your eyes fixed on who I am and what I have done and how powerful I am. And you'll see that the battle isn't you. That the battle belongs to me. That I've called you in to partner into an adventure of fulfilling the promises that I have made for eternity. But Joshua, you need to think. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking on the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, don't be anxious. He says, who of you, by being anxious, can add one day to your life? But he says, rather than being anxious, fix your eyes on God. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek his righteousness and then everything you need will be taken care of okay joshua fixes his eyes on jesus and listens to jesus and even though that jordan river is at flood stage when god says i want you to step your foot out into the jordan he steps his foot out and the jordan stops up just like the red sea did And the whole Israelite nation goes into the land of Canaan. And then they have Jericho in front of them. And as you go through Joshua, the next thing you see is that Joshua meets this angel. And the first thing that Joshua looks at this angel and says, are you for us or against us? And the angel says, neither one. I'm just part of the army of God. But this is what I want you to do, Joshua. And Joshua begins to understand that the battles that he is in, the things that he is facing have a whole spiritual element to it. And the stuff that is going on in our lives has a whole spiritual dynamic to it. Satan wants to get us to take our eyes off of Jesus and fix them on something else. And when we have fear in our lives, what it does is it shows us those things that we are trusting in, where we're putting our security rather than in Jesus. And when those fears happen, what God wants us to do is get our eyes off of that security blanket that we have that we're afraid of losing, which is why the fear comes up, and instead fix our eyes again on who God is and how great God is and his power and that he is bigger than even this person who's about ready to step on me and squish me out. Okay. So Joshua listens to the angel and he goes and he... Does what the angel says, which is to march around Jericho for seven days, six days without saying a word. And then the seventh day marching around seven times and on the last time shouting. Joshua learns that God is trustworthy and that He can trust, that He can stake everything on God. Joshua learns to step out in obedience. Not to stay put, but to step out. Joshua earns the discipline that comes with faith, that sometimes it means waiting. He learns discipline, he learns patience, and then he finally learns that at the appropriate time and in the appropriate ways, he is called to shout out in praise to God. And when that happens, the walls come tumbling down. The problem is, is right after Jericho, they go to the next town. And Joshua looks at the next town and goes, this is nothing like Jericho. We can do this. Okay? And he has this presumption of what his abilities are. And they get massively defeated. And they get massively defeated because rather than continuing to look to God and being obedient to God, they start looking again to themselves and presuming on themselves. They take on something without prayer. And one of the other problems is is they were disobedient. They held on to that which belonged to God rather than giving God all that is his. And they get defeated. The next town down or the next occurrence and thing that happens in, in the book of Jericho is that these nations or these, I'm sorry, these towns around Jericho have begun to hurt how great God is. And so they all try and get dressed up as if they're coming from far off lands and they come to Joshua and say, hey, don't fight us. And Joshua looks with his eyes, perceives what he thinks is going on and he makes a deal with these people who are really just the people they're supposed to be de- going to battle with. And again, because he doesn't pray, because he begins to trust his own perceptions, he disobeys God. Now he repents, and God does a great thing with that. God's able to take even the places where we blow it and make it good. But the lessons that Joshua learns over and over and over again is that it is his responsibility to be strong and courageous. It is his responsibility to step out. But he can only do that as he keeps his eyes on God. He can only do that as he is obedient to God. As he seeks God and is patient with God. And remembers that God is bigger. And that God has a plan. And that he is calling us into that plan. One of the things, if you were to go down through um, and read the first chapter of Jericho, I mean, the first chapter of Joshua, um, the first whole half of that chapter talks about the promises of God. It talks about how Joshua is supposed to meditate on God, how he's supposed to be strong and courageous. And then it has this little section at the end about these two and a half tribes of Israel who basically, there's this whole discussion about whether or not they're going into the promised land or not going into the promised land. What happened was, is that on the other side of the Jordan, these two and a half tribes liked where they were at. And they went to Moses, and they said, Moses, um, we like this land here. We don't want to go into the promised land. We want to stay right here. This land has cities and pasture lands, and this land is good enough. And God, and, and Moses gets mad at them for their lack of faith. says, you're only thinking about you. God has a calling upon your life. You can come back and have this land, but first you need to go with your brothers and sisters and go into the land and take the land to Cana. There is still land that needs to be taken. God has a call on each one of our lives. God has something that he wants each one of us to do God is saying to us, wherever you set your foot, I will give you that land for me. God is saying to us, I want you to partner with me in what I am doing. I don't want you to sit tight. I don't want you to just worry about yourself. Instead, I want you to fix your eyes on me and be strong and courageous. And go to where I'm calling you to. I think this is going to be a fun year. I think God's going to really work mightily in all of our lives. But the call is going to be every step of the way that we take our eyes off of ourselves and we fix them on God so that we can respond to him by being strong and courageous. Courageous. So the whole first section that we're going to be spending the next couple weeks and next week we're going to look at the twenty third Psalm and why God can be trusted. This whole first section has to do with worship. Because it all starts with worship. It all starts with us getting a vision and remembering how big God is. Let's pray. It's our prayer, Lord. Come. Come here among us. May we receive your grace and your favor and your healing touch. May we know of your love for us. May we be reminded whatever we're facing, the battle belongs to you and that we can trust in you. may we make it about you. And not about us. May we trust you enough to do that.